1: And a happy new year. My name is Joshua Sasso, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Can you believe it? It's already twenty twenty-four. There are many new and exciting things that God has in store for this year for those of us that are willing to obey and follow him. You know, we've been talking a lot about how we as Christians need to learn to take on God's ways of doing things in every area of our life. And something that the Lord has spoken particularly in the the past uh, New Year celebration that we had, the prophetic gathering of the saints, something that the Lord addressed was how he was going to establish his ways of governance, his kingdom. Because we, the church, we're not a religious organization, but really the kingdom of God is a governmental structure where God is the leader at the top. And he's the Lord of our lives in every area of our life. So something the Lord has spoken of is that the church is going to be made to come back into alignment with his ways of governance. How this is illustrated is actually in Ezekiel chapter 34. And what happens is that the Lord is speaking over Israel and he's saying about how they had many shepherds all of which did not protect them, did not lead them, took advantage of them, did not train them properly, did not provide for them properly. Okay, And so he talks about how the people of Israel were scattered because the shepherds that had been put in place over them were not doing their job. So God says basically that, you know what, I'm going to take these shepherds and I'm going to remove them from their position. He says, I am going to, and this is in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. So this meant that, right, they were using the people of Israel to provide for themselves. And then he talks about how he himself, now that they've been scattered all over the place, he himself is going to rescue them. And he himself is going to place himself over the people of Israel. So it's not going to be all these different shepherds, because back then right, they had this, the Levitical priesthood, which was a special class of people from a specific tribe, and you had to go through a specific genealogy to be in this special Levitical priesthood. And not only that, but this was also the time of kings. So you had a special priesthood, and then you had a royal bloodline, okay? And then he says in verse 22, he says, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So basically, all these intermediaries that have placed themselves in a position of authority were being removed, and God was placing himself at the highest authority. Okay, And this is what the government of God is supposed to be like. We're supposed to be God's people, and he is our Lord. Okay, there's not a special class of people that, oh, they're more anointed and, oh, you know. No, none of that. Instead, it's just about those people who hear the voice of God and obey and those who do not. And that's what he says here, where I will judge between one sheep and another. And in earlier, he says, right, I'm going to judge between the rams and the goats, which of those sheep are causing trouble and which of them aren't. And something that we talk about often here at Freedom Fellowship Church is that pastors and spiritual leaders should not be looking at the church, their congregants, as sheep. They are not your sheep. And you might be thinking, well, isn't doesn't this whole scripture, Ezekiel, talk about how there were shepherds in place and they were mistreating and that the people of God were like the sheep and then God had to step in himself? Yes, but that was under the Old Covenant. I want us to read this verse again. Verse 23 in Exodus chapter 34. It says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them, and he will tend them and be their shepherd. So how many shepherds did God place? Just one, Jesus Christ. So when a pastor tries to put themselves in the position as a shepherd... They are elevating themselves to that of Christ. Because God says here, I am placing one shepherd over my sheep. And this is what we have to understand. So in the time prior to this, right, there were a lot of shepherds and there were this special class of people that ruled over God's people. So what happens is that when a pastor begins treating their congregants as sheep and they're the shepherd, what they're actually doing is reinstituting the Levitical priesthood. They're trying to establish themselves as a higher tier of authority over those under them. And you'll see a lot of times in the church, there's all kinds of territory wars. Early on in this ministry's history, the Lord led Pastor Chris and Pastor Mike to begin holding um, healing crusades and miracle crusades around Texas. And every time they moved into an area many of the ministries would come in and they'd say, well, by whose authority are you holding this conference? We won't allow you to hold this conference unless you come under our ministry, right? It's these sorts of territory disputes that you're not allowed to preach the gospel in my territory because this is my turf. This is an example of spiritual leaders trying to reinstitute the old Levitical priesthood where they're a special class of people And the other common folk can't reach them, right? It's all about the titles, it's all about the accolades, it's all about the special treatment. Something that we have witnessed, for example, when we're traveling over in the Philippines, is that many of the pastors, for example, will pressure their congregants to give extra to support them. Oh, you have to give a sacrificial offering for your pastor. Oh, you need to give sacrificial service for your pastor. No, the truth is, is that to be a leader of all, you have to be the servant of all. This is the example that Christ Jesus gave us. I mean, when you think about it, think about this. When Jesus was walking on the earth, who prayed more, him or his disciples? When he was walking here on the earth, who was fasting more, him or his disciples? When he was walking on the earth, who worked harder and made more sacrifices? Was it Jesus or was it his disciples? You see, as a spiritual leader... You are the one who should be making the sacrifices, you should be working harder, you should be hearing from God more and praying more, because you have been given the responsibility to train those that God has put under your realm of influence. And so, this is a key difference, that under the New Covenant, there are not these special classes of people. We're all the same. Now, if you have been placed as a spiritual leader, right? that means that those people under you they're also god's sheep just as your god's sheep they're also children of god just as your children of god okay all it means is that they have not been equipped yet and it's your job to equip them that's the difference and we have to treat everyone in such a way that they can be prepared to go into all nations A lot of churches have turned into daycare centers where people go in and they preach and they get a pat on the back. Oh, it feels good. It's such a great message. And then they go on their life. People are not actually being equipped to move in power. They're not actually being equipped to go forth and change the world. This is the kind of restructuring in the church that God wants to bring about. And if you've been called as a leader, you have to remember, you have to look at people with love. Think about the kind of training you wish you could have gotten. That's what you should be giving to them. Think about the kind of teaching and revelation you wish you would have gotten. That's the kind of teaching and revelation you need to give to them. You need to train those under you in such a way to where they can eventually reach your level or even surpass you. That is the example that Jesus gave us. Because before he ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples, You will do even greater things than I do because I'm going to the Father, right? There was no, not this sense of ego. Oh, you can't surpass my level of anointing. You can't surpass me. No, he was equipping his disciples the whole time so that one day he knew they were also going to be endued with power and they also were going to be sent out into the world. And this is Jesus we're talking about. The thought that he said we will do greater works than him. That is such a humbling thing. And this is the mindset that we have to take on. So we shouldn't be looking especially if if you have new Christians that are hungry and eager. We should not be looking at them with suspicion, right? With envy. We should be excited for them to equip them to also operate in power. An example of this can be found in Acts chapter 18. Now in this chapter, Paul was traveling with um, two apostles that went by the names of Priscilla and Achilla. And they were, you know, some of his co-workers. And they went around with Paul, helping establish churches and train churches. Now, Paul leaves them behind in Ephesus when they encounter uh, a man by the name of Apollos. It says in Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Okay, so that meant that he was really passionate about sharing that which he learned. Okay, so he spoke with great fervor, and he taught about Jesus accurately, although he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Right, so when they saw... This man, Apollos, and they saw how excited he was, that he was learned. They weren't thinking, oh, what do you, you shouldn't be doing that on our turf. Also, your doctrines are wrong, right? They didn't have a sense of envy or jealousy or suspicion when they looked at him. Instead, they say, wow, okay, you're really passionate about sharing about Jesus. Look, you only know the baptism of John. We're going to show you more that you've been missing out on, right? So Priscilla and Achilla took on this attitude that, We're going to do what we can to equip you so that you can go and be more effective with what you're trying to do, right? Later on, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote the disciples there to welcome him. Right, there wasn't this, oh, you you can't leave this ministry, right? Oh, you know, I don't know, I'm going to have to bless you before you leave. No. When he felt he was being called to this other city, it says the brothers and sisters said, yes, if God is leading you to go there, go, right? And then they wrote to the disciples there. It says, so they encouraged him to go and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. So not only did they bless him, they also made it easier for him to go and follow the will of God. You know what? God's leading me over here to Achaia right? Oh, sure, we're going to write them. We're going to connect you with people there so that you can fulfill your mission. And that's what happened. And the scripture says he was a great help to those in that other city. In verse 28, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. This is the kind of attitude that we have to take on, not an attitude of suspicion or jealousy. When we see somebody else that's passionate and talented and articulate, we should do our job to nurture them and enable them and help them be equipped to move in more power. Because the truth is, we are all on the same team, guys. We have to be kingdom-minded, which means we're not concerned about our own reputation, our own name. Oh, people are going to think less of me if this person goes and does this, right? Oh, you know, what about my ministry? What about my reputation? Right? These are all rooted in pride, brothers and sisters. We have to be kingdom-minded, which is that we're all working towards the same goal. We're going to bring honor to God. We're going to show the nations the way to the Lord, right? We're going to preach the gospel to the nations, and we're going to make disciples of all nations, right? We should be supporting one another, we should be praying for one another, we should be enabling one another, and training one another. This is the attitude that we have to take on. And so those ministries that try to control people coming in and out, that try to limit people's access to God, they are not operating according to God's system of governance. That's the truth, plain and simple. They are trying to establish their own ministry. They are not being kingdom-minded. I remember once when we were holding leadership trainings in the Philippines, the Spirit of God began to move mightily. Okay, and people were getting touched by the Spirit, and people were getting baptized by the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other tongues. And when this started to happen, one of the senior pastors came and said, Oh, Pastora, They they can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit yet because they haven't gone to our leadership training. Oh, they haven't gone through the procedures that we have put in place, right? They had this kind of system where oh, you're not allowed to get infilled with the Holy Spirit unless you subscribe to our training systems and our training regiments. Think about. How proud and arrogant you have to be because what's happening is you are limiting the move of the Holy Spirit when you do something like this. Oh, you know what? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit can't move yet. Right? No, 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 no. You can't move yet, Holy Spirit. No, we have to follow these procedures. We have to go through this systems. That means you're putting yourself at a higher position than the move of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, Pastor Chris, as you can imagine, responded, What are you? The Holy Spirit's already moving upon them. You cannot control the move of God. We have to be the ones that yield to God. God is not going to yield to us. But a lot of times, especially when there's new Christians that are eager and they're hungry and they want to learn more, people want to put roadblocks in their path. And maybe sometimes it's because their excitement and the fact that God is musing them so quickly because this happens a lot of times when people are hungry and they're chasing after God, sometimes they begin to experience the miraculous really quickly. And sometimes, when you see somebody else being blessed by God, it brings out this sense of jealous envy, right? Because it reminds you that you haven't been obeying God, you haven't been used by God. This is a really treacherous, and it's even a murderous. Kind of mindset that we have to purge from ourselves. We have to look at them with love because remember this the very first murder, Cain and Abel, was one that happened because of this same mindset. It was a murderous jealousy because Abel gave proper sacrifices to God, right? Abel gave his first fruits, gave the best of his best, and Cain, you know, gave whatever. And God accepted and blessed the sacrifices of Abel, and he did not accept. Cain's sacrifices. And when Cain saw this, he became murderous in his intent. Even though the Lord appeared to him and he says, Cain, sin is knocking at your doorstep and it's seeking to devour you. But if you would not do right, right, if only you would do right, would you not also be blessed? That's what, and you know what, when you're trying, when you're upset because things are going your way, right, and you want to blame this person, you want to blame that person or, you know, whoever else, The last thing you want to hear is that, you know, if you just would do right, right, that it's your own fault. You're the reason you're not being blessed. That's, I guarantee you, that is not what Cain wanted to hear. And so he murdered his brother. A lot of Christians, right, and maybe you've been in the ministry for years and years and years and years, and you feel like you've poured out your soul to that ministry. But just remember this, both Cain and Abel gave sacrifices. But God only accepted Abel's sacrifice because it was a proper sacrifice. Just because you're putting ours into something does not mean that God's going to bless it. In everything that we do, we have to be led by the Spirit of God. And we have to do things according to His will. So if you see somebody, and they're excited about the Lord, and they're a new Christian, and man, God's already beginning to use them, and God's already beginning to appear to them, instead, use that motivation for your own life. Think, you know what? No. I, God's not done with me yet. I also can be blessed with the Lord if I will listen to him and obey him. We have to take on this attitude where we're all on the same team, guys. We should be supporting one another. Okay? And this is part of the reason why a major theme that the Lord was addressing for the prophetic gathering of the saints was this idea of God's system of governance. That the church has been out of order for too long. It is not the pastor who's at the top of the church. It's God himself. And all of us are actually equal in Christ Jesus. Now some of us might be further along because we've been obeying the Lord. Right? Those, and this is the key differentiator that God has been saying. Because something that he said was, I am restoring and I'm going to restore thy judges as in the days of old. The time of the judges was the time of that preceded when Israel had a king, right? So there was no special um, royal bloodline. So who were the judges? Well, when we go through the book of Judges, all of them came from different tribes. One of them was even a woman, right? So there's not like any kind of trend regarding their genealogy, regarding their upbringing. No, the only common factor amongst all the judges is that they heard the voice of God and they obeyed him. So when God says, I am restoring thy judges, as in the days of old, he's bringing us back to a time when that's the case. Those people who will rise to leadership positions, those people who will use mightily in power, it's going to be the people that hear the voice of God and obey him. That's it. That's the only requirement that God has for you. How willing are you to take the instructions of the Lord and make it the number one priority in your life. That's going to be the key difference, guys. But it's a all-or-nothing kind of thing. You have to go all-in on God's ways of doing things. And I'll close with this, because I want you to think about Noah. And Noah is a great example for those of you that are called to the transfer of wealth, influence, and affluence, because Noah had no idea about what he was making. Before Noah... An ark had never been made before. And, you know, we maybe they had never even seen a flood before. Okay? Noah was being brought to a place that nobody had ever been done before. And the scripture tells us in Genesis that Noah was 500 years old by the time he had had his three sons. And it says in the scripture, sometime after Noah had had his three sons, the Lord appeared to Noah. And he said, you're going to build an ark because I'm bringing a flood to the land. And it's going to be these dimensions, made of these materials, made according to this architectural pattern, and Noah had to obey the Lord. And the scripture says, uh, later on in Genesis, that Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came to the earth. So, sometime after 500, all the way to 600 years old. Which means, maybe he was working on it for 100 years, maybe he was working on it for 50 years, maybe he was working on it for 20 years. We don't know the exact timeline. Some people estimate maybe 75 years or something to that effect. But we do know that it was continual obedience over several years that Noah was building this thing. Now, building an ark of that size is not something that he would have been able to build if he didn't make it a priority in his life. Imagine, oh, you know, I'll just work on it when I get the chance every once in a while. No. He had to completely restructure his life, where probably the majority of his time, if he had any available time, would have been devoted to building that ark. So his whole life had to be rearranged to build that thing. Our faith and obedience has to be the same, especially those of you that are called to the transfer of wealth, influence, and affluence. Whatever God has instructed you to do, your life, you need to rearrange your life to prioritize the instructions of God in everything. And the amazing thing is along the way, the Lord had to teach Noah how to build these things, right? So he had never built an ark before. God turned him into an ark specialist, right? God turned him into a carpentry specialist, an architectural specialist. And then when the animals came in, God had to show him how to take care of these animals, right? So he became a zoologist. The Lord will equip you to do those things that he's called you to do. Just obey and go all in and obeying him. Because as Jesus said, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like this, that a man found a treasure hidden in a field. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything that he had to buy that field. So he saw this is the best and most blessed thing I've ever encountered. And I am going to prioritize this over anything else in my life. So he sold everything, the house, clothes, any equipments he had. Because he recognized that that treasure in the field was more valuable than anything else that he had in his life. And it's the same in this day. The destiny that God has for you is more valuable than anything else in your life. And remember this, that God will take care of those things that concern you. You can trust God. You can rely on him. Only obey him. But I'm just about out of time for this week. So just remember this. God is going to establish his form of governance starting in the church. And it will spread to the nations, including the United States of America. But it has to start with us. We need to restructure our own form of governance and put God at the top. Amen? All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Joshua Sasso. And you've been listening to the Prophetic Voice of Our Time. Until next time, God bless you. And also, happy, happy New Year. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Prophetic Voice of Our Time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. Dot com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S O G M I.org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this broadcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to sogmi.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P O Box. 1579 9 Texas 78023 Again that is Healbox 1579 The Texas 78023